It is good to be with you this morning. Mary, the mother of Jesus, lived in a time of Advent, a time of waiting, a place at the frontier of God's kingdom. And I invite you this morning to imagine life almost 2,000 years ago now, as Mary looks back and reflects. The words still ring loudly in my ears, nothing is impossible with God. And now looking back, I see how true those words were. So many incredible events, and each one unfolding as God promised. God in the unexpected, God in the margins. At every step, at every turn, God worked in my life and in the flow of nations. And it's true. Nothing is impossible with God. So much time has passed and yet it seems like only yesterday. I remember as a little girl, my father told me story after story from the Hebrew scriptures. He told me how God, the Lord, created this earth, but evil invaded. People turned away, pursuing their own interests. I knew that God chose Abraham to be the father of a special people through whom God would bless the whole earth. I knew God used Moses to rescue my people from slavery in Egypt. I was even named Moses after Moses' older sister Miriam. I knew about our great King David and the time when Solomon's temple was the wonder of the world. But I also knew that my people rejected God time and time again. And now we were under the boot of Rome. But I also knew that God had promised to deliver us. And anticipation was running high because one day soon, God was going to send us a great king. The one who would be king forever. I love to hear the stories of the women who pursued God, even when it was hard to do so. Ruth, who willingly immigrated to care for her mother-in-law. Esther, a refugee who risked her life. Hannah, who so desperately longed for a child. God provided Ruth security, Esther courage, and Hannah a son. But even more than these stories, I loved the songs of David, when I was discouraged by how hard life was, I remembered that David had been a shepherd and a hunted man before God made him king. David's songs and the words of the psalmists encouraged me that maybe, just maybe, God had a plan for me as well. God, in God's unfaltering faithfulness, had promised a plan for my people. And so we were a people in waiting, waiting for God's kingdom to unfold. In the meantime, life continued in my little town of Nazareth. The same ladies gossiped, 
The sons learned the trades of their fathers. Babies arrived, we mourned the passing of the aged. And at all times, we treated the Romans with caution and respect. Unless you have lived in an occupied country, you do not understand the uncertainty, the fear. One day, there is utter hopelessness. But on another day, resentment and anger simmer just below the surface. And somehow in all of this, we dreamed. We dreamed and we cried out, Lord, how long, how long, O Lord, until you fulfill your promises of hope and freedom? I was engaged to Joseph, the local carpenter. He was a good man, as my parents pointed out, a man with a steady business and a good reputation in the synagogue. A man who honored God and sought to be honest in his dealings in life and in business. And to my parents, this practical orientation was more important than a handsome face or ambitious dreams. But then suddenly, my life changed. One day, a tall, shining, authoritative man, an angel, actually, approached me with the strangest of words. He said that I was highly favored by God. I glanced around to see who else there was that he might be addressing, but he meant me. Gabriel, the angel, told me that I was going to have a son, and I was to give him the name Jesus, which means the Lord saves. This child would be the son of the Most High God, and he would be given David's throne. He would reign forever. His kingdom would never end. But my marriage was not scheduled for several months. I wondered how it was possible to conceive a baby while I was still a virgin. The messenger told me that God would put this baby in me. Wow! Gabriel said that even my cousin Elizabeth, now in her old age, was going to have a child. So this was like the story of Abraham and Sarah all over again. So God had not forgotten his promises. And then the messenger said those words. For nothing is impossible with God. And I knew I had only one choice to bow my knees and allow God to do his will in my life. And so I said yes. What emotions raced through me. I was going to have a baby. God's sending his Messiah through me. Times are going to change. I'm going to be the mother of the king. But would anyone possibly believe me? Others would assume that Joseph and I had been intimate before our wedding. Uh Uh-oh, no worse. It would look like I had been unfaithful to Joseph. He could break the engagement with a private divorce. He could break it with a public trial, in which case they could stone me. I started to panic. I couldn't breathe. And then suddenly a peace enveloped me. Nothing is impossible with God. If God could manage to put a baby in my womb, certainly he could manage to protect us. My parents were hesitant when I told them the news. My father was angry. My mother crushed. 
I had never been one to make up tales, but my story was beyond the realm of possibility. Almost. Because nothing is impossible with God. I heard their murmuring as they talked late into the night. I hardly slept. The next morning, my parents announced that I was going to visit Elizabeth. The plan was to confirm that Elizabeth was indeed having a baby, and it would get me out of town for a little while. They were not going to risk telling Joseph until they had evidence, the evidence they needed. Elizabeth was already a rounded six-month pregnant and overjoyed to see me when I arrived, and she confirmed what I already suspected. A tiny, holy embryo had been planted within me. I could not help but sing a song of praise to the Lord, for I realized nothing is impossible with God. I stayed with Elizabeth throughout my days of morning sickness. And then baby John was born. I heard her husband Zechariah laughing and telling everyone how an angel had appeared to him when he was serving at the temple. He had doubted God and had lived in silence for a year. Seeing Elizabeth and Zechariah with baby John, I rejoiced and remembered the angel's words. Yes, nothing is impossible with our God. Shortly afterward, I returned home. I confirmed to my parents, yes, it's all true. It was so exciting, but they were worried. Father had a long talk with Joseph. They called me into the room. Joseph wanted to hear the story from my own lips, and I assured him I had not been unfaithful to him. I begged him to believe me. He so wanted this marriage, but it would destroy him to marry a pregnant girl. He felt he had no choice but to break the engagement. He said he would do it as quietly as possible. My mother burst into tears. Joseph left with a final sad look at my stomach. He was not prepared to risk his reputation and his business on a young girl's ridiculous story. I went to bed that night, and I prayed, and I prayed, and I prayed. I knew that God wanted Joseph to be the father of this baby. Finally, I fell asleep with these words running through my mind. Nothing is impossible with God. The next morning, wouldn't you know, Joseph arrived on our doorstep. The Lord had spoken to him in a dream. He would marry me. He willingly set aside his reputation. My approval of him grew. He was a good man. We agreed that a small, quiet wedding would take place on the original date, shortly after the birth of the baby. And so, there I was, young, soon to be a mother, and every day feeling the disapproval and the whispers of everyone. Of course, as my stomach grew larger, the whispers grew louder. One day I was particularly discouraged, and I felt judged and isolated. Joseph encouraged me. Remember, Mary, nothing is impossible with God. And this became our motto for life. Shortly thereafter, we heard that a census was decreed. 
Everyone was ordered to their ancestral home to be counted. Here I was, almost full term, so big, so awkward, and so tired. Because both Joseph and I were descendants of David, we were expected to travel that long road south through Jerusalem and into Bethlehem. We started out with a whole family group, but it soon became obvious that I could not keep up the pace to make the journey in three days. For almost a week, we traveled. We stopped at the homes of relatives. One night we paid to stay at an inn, and every night Joseph grumbled about how much this was costing us. But then I reminded him that he himself had told me that the prophets had written that the Messiah must be born in Bethlehem. Joseph just wished that the Lord had found a less expensive way to get us there. I remember well that last day of traveling. I was so uncomfortable. For hours, I experienced contractions on and off. There was such an ache across the bottom of my abdomen. My back hurt. People kept pushing by us. I was miserable. In my mind, I started going over the Psalms in the hopes that that would help. And I started reciting at Psalm 130. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O Lord, in the midst of my chaos, in my pain, Lord, hear my voice. Please help me. Bethlehem was full and overflowing. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the voice of my supplications. Our people are so desperate. Lord, we need you. Please, please provide a place for us to stay. We wondered if our relatives would let us in because we knew our story had preceded us. If they allowed us in, then they would be condoning our scandal. If we were there, then they couldn't talk about us very well, could they? As my contractions became stronger and closer together, Joseph knocked on the door of a distant relative. Even though the house was full, the cousins heard me cry out as a pain engulfed me. As Kenneth Bailey has suggested, Middle Eastern hospitality would not allow them to push away a needy cousin with a pregnant wife-to-be. And so they found a place for us at the far side of the house, the place where the animals ate and slept for the night. The men spilled out the door while the women bustled around me. It was noisy and uncomfortable, but it was warm and dry. And at that point, I really didn't care. I cried out, If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, Lord, who could stand? My labor pains were a sign of the curse. But the psalmist had also written, But there is forgiveness with you, so that you might be honored. God's grace shines through the harsh realities of our painful, embodied existence. I labored as I waited for my body to deliver the life inside me. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in his word, I hope. This pain would not endure forever. I would be free, and one day my people would be free. Have you ever noticed pain is harder in the darkness? My soul waits for the Lord more than those who wait for the morning. How I longed for the morning, for that time of deliverance, for my people, for this baby. I wait for the Lord in his word, I hope, and I wait for the morning. But before morning came, Jesus was born. 
because nothing is impossible with God. Light can shine even when the darkness still seems overpowering. At one point, shepherds barged in, telling us that angels had told them the Savior was born. Most of the rest of Bethlehem thought they were drunk and stupid, but Joseph and I knew the truth. And I don't know how many times in the next couple of days he turned to me in wonder and said, Mary, nothing is impossible with God. Deciding it was best to avoid Nazareth for a bit, we moved into a little house in Bethlehem, and I took care of the baby Jesus, amazed at his ordinariness. Could this really be God in human flesh? Was God's kingdom coming? Was the Lord about to put an end to all our waiting? Oh, Israel, hope in the Lord. I thought that life would get easier. After all, the angel had told me that a son, my son, was a king. I kept expecting things to change, and I looked forward to reaping God's blessings. But life continued to be a struggle, even dangerous. Yet even in the midst of difficulties, God found a way to provide for our needs. Simeon and Anna in Jerusalem, wise men from the east with amazing gifts. But Jesus grew. I struggled when Jesus chose a group of fishermen, vagabonds, and questionable political characters to be his companions. And then he seemed determined to alienate the priests and the religious leaders, men I had always taught him to respect. He even proved divisive in my own family. His brothers were resentful. I was confused but hopeful. I listened to Jesus' teaching, was amazed by his actions, followed his ministry, and prayed that God's word would be fulfilled. The hardest day of my life was the day they crucified him as a common criminal. As much as I missed Joseph's comfort that day, I was thankful he was not there to see it. He would have been devastated. Here we had come through so much. Our own reputations questioned by Jesus' birth, our flight into Egypt, losing Jesus in Jerusalem for three days. The continual challenges we faced, our worries, fears, and frustrations. The continual questions. Why was Jesus doing this? Why is Jesus doing that? Why is he not carrying on his father's carpentry business? Why doesn't he marry a nice girl and settle down? We had expected so much and received so little. And now Jesus, my son, bloodied and abused, naked, shamed, and ridiculed, spoke to me from the cross. And then he died. Was this really God? This one who appeared so ungodly? I went to the home of one of my friends that night and prayed and questioned and cried and pleaded with God. Out of the depths I cried to you, O Lord, hear my cry. This is not the way that things were meant to be. The long-expected king was not supposed to die. And the only answer I received throughout the night was nothing is impossible with God. We went through a second night, a night of waiting and watching and crying. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchman waits for the morning. How could we hope when hope was dead? We could not sleep. We were desperate, afraid, forsaken. We longed for morning, for deliverance. 
and this time morning came. When we arrived at the tomb, Jesus was gone. Jesus rose from the dead and spent time teaching us that in his kingdom, life emerges from death. Mercy and justice are intertwined and love is infused with grace. Jesus ascended into the heavens with the promise to return one day and to send God's spirit to be with us at all times. And I started to sing, O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love, covenant faithfulness, for with him there is great power to redeem. And now, wonders abound. The church comprised of Jesus' followers continues to grow, and I have no doubt that one day soon Jesus will return as the forever king, just as the angel had promised. Much time has passed, and I too have changed. I have learned valuable lessons. First, I have learned that God can use ordinary people like you and I to do amazing things. No, God does them but we get to talk about them. All he asks is for our willingness to follow. Second, God's kingdom is not about seeking greatness and power, but it's about people made whole and relationships restored. Third, even when things are going in a different direction from what I had expected, the Lord is still in control. When life is uncertain, God is still good. He is the one who will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. When the angel visited me, it never occurred to me that God's plan of salvation was much greater than my expectations. And in time, I learned to submit my body, my mind, myself to God. I allowed him to work in my life even when I didn't have a clue what God was doing. And most important... I learned that even when things were confusing and difficult, when the night was dark, I could still trust God to guide and to protect. So I encourage you today, no matter what you are feeling, allow the Lord to instill his hope as you wait. God loves us with an everlasting love. God is at work dismantling systems of injustice and reconciling broken relationships between people and people groups. Are we going to follow Jesus? God's Spirit calls us forth and empowers us for both uncertainty and adventure. God's kingdom is here now and not yet. We stand right there on the front, on the frontier, there is struggle, hardship, and there is pain. But there is also hope, peace, goodness, and even joy in the midst of the darkness. Morning. That time of deliverance is coming. How do I know? Because nothing is impossible with God. Let's pray. Lord God, as we look around the world, we see pain and corruption, injustice and unbalance. We see darkness. But as we wait in this time of Advent, we know that the light of the world 
is Jesus Christ. And so we come to you in this in-between time, this waiting time, this time of anticipation. And we say, Lord, increase our faith because we are thankful that nothing is impossible with you. Amen.